Hi everyone, my guest today is Vidya Rajan, a TV and theatre writer, a comic and a performance maker from Melbourne. Originally, I wanted to talk to Vidya about how comedians and artists of colour can represent their authentic selves in a very white entertainment landscape in Australia and also about the kinds of things Vidya writes and performs. We ended up talking about some of that, but the conversation kept derailing into weird and wonderful tangents, um, like life as a sitcom, the internet as consciousness, cockroaches and the end of the world, Mahatma Gandhi and cancel culture, and the sustainability of individualism in the age of global warming. The whole thing is like a strange dream, in which... Things turn into other things, you are yourself but also not yourself. You have a lot of fun and when you wake up, you cannot describe exactly what the dream was about. Vidya called this a stoner conversation, which is true, it kind of does sound like that. But neither of us is a stoner, nor were we stoned during recording. However, I suggest that your listening experience of this episode should be accompanied by a strong intoxicant of your choice. For more fun. The audio levels in this episode fluctuate a lot. You might have to adjust your volume a few times. I'm so sorry about that. I'm still learning about recording and editing audio. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. And go and check out Vidya's upcoming shows at Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2020. I'll share the links on social media and on the website heckinconcerned.com. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This is Amrita, and you're listening to Heckin' Concerned Podcast. Hi, Vidya. Hello. And welcome to Heckin' Concerned Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you here because I've been telling everyone that I want to interview you. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised by how approachable you are because you have this air of cool like you're so cool and I've always <laughs> and mysterious like who is she oh if you know you can tell me <laughs> um and then you know we've, we've got together and discovered we have so many things in common yeah um so this is exciting now I'm like breaking through this enigma <laughs> that is Vidya Rajan oh God. yep how would you welcome well since we're you know since in our culture we describe ourselves by our jobs first sure yeah if you were to say hey so I'm Vidya and mm. I'm yeah um I would say I'm a writer and a comic and a performance maker and I mainly work in theater and television that's cool and I know I can say that because I've had to fill out so many artist bios for grants <laughs> and various you know art events um and each time it's like this existential horror of defining who you are yeah so, exactly yeah I've got like a couple of sentences now but you know in, in a year who knows if it changes or not does your imposter syndrome ever whisper you're not an artist hmm you're not really a writer you're come not really on. yeah maybe not so much now but it's not been something that's yeah it's not something that uh, came easily to just be like I'm definitely this even if internally you've always defined yourself that way but then mm. once you um are trying to do it on um I guess a more public stage it, it can be quite difficult and I think the industry is also designed to make you feel like you shouldn't 
say that about yourself. But then, conversely, you just have to remember that you meet lots of people who are um, really ridiculous and full of hot air and, and are very happy to define themselves that way. Um, I think being a woman and also being a person of colour, you often like, I have to do a PhD and I have to do like um, 8,000 jobs and then I can call myself the thing. Mm. Whereas a lot of other people, once you're in there for a while, you realise have done like a small thing and they're just like, yeah, I deserve everything. So yeah, yeah. you just got to hold on to that that kind of um, annoyingness and then you might define yourself that way. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing um, that you have, that you've understood that. Yeah, I mean, didn't happen overnight, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've also fallen into the trap personally of thinking that I don't have enough life experience yep. uh, to be able to do something, that I need to live a bit more and totally. have a richer experience. Yeah. And the other day I was reading some fantastic words from Kurt Vonnegut, um, who said that even if you just write about the suburb that you grew up in, mm. and this is paraphrasing, he was talking about um, another writer and how that writer wrote entirely about the childhood town he grew up in. Mm. Even just then, that's rich enough and that's acceptable enough yeah. as experience in yeah. your life. And yeah. that's beautiful because that is something that you love and that moved you. And if you have the ability to write about it or perform it in a way that mm. moves somebody, Move somebody that's good else. enough. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really interesting. But um, I don't know if it's like we've only been like a minute in and I'm like, how deep do we go? But I think it's... Um, <laughs> dive right in, Dive right baby. in, like into the anthropology of that. No, I feel like... What yeah, what Kurt says, you know, my old buddy Kurt. This is very, very <laughs> true, but I don't want to like um, minimize or diminish the fact that a lot of people you're kind of almost like gaslit by mainstream culture or arts culture to to feel like those experiences aren't valid. Yeah, you know, um, like like I think whiteness can do that, but also other lots of other factors can do that. Um, I think for a long time we have felt like the only things worth writing about even if we are writing about the suburbs, it's like a, a man in the suburbs or a certain type of woman in the suburbs. It's not people who look like you or me or it's not um, people with very particular experiences that have never been represented on the world stage. So I think those statements are very fine and emboldening, but it's um, also very real to feel like your experience isn't worth representing mm. and that's like a barrier you mm. have to work through. Because a lot of the time... Um, it, for a long time it hasn't been it's only starting to change like if you had gone up to even a major theatre company like a few years ago and been like I want to write about this particular diaspora experience um, experienced in this place and it's rich and it's huge they'd be like oh but why you yeah. know so it's it wasn't just all in our heads like yeah. so I feel like yeah it's often we can read quotes like that and be like oh I was stopping myself but I'm like no it wasn't you you're not an idiot yeah it's the world the the, the yeah kind of messages you're getting about totally also the kinds of stories people actually do want to hear like mm. i don't want to tell a story about a big fat indian wedding no um, yeah, or not necessarily talk about a very stereotype idea of an indian family yeah um my identity and yours mm. is much more nuanced yeah very complex yeah yeah and i think that opportunities for writers to um display that nuance yeah. of uh, writers who are people of color from um, minority cultures in a, say, for example, in Australia, mm. those opportunities are quite less. Yeah, of course, they're limited and they're yeah. kind of opening up now, um, but come with their own perils as yeah. well. Like, so, yeah. Do you think that there are unspoken quotas for, for example, you write a proposal for a TV show about mm. an Indian family, but if it it doesn't meet the stereotype in the mind 
minds of the people that are receiving the proposal or grant. Yeah. If they don't see a sellable point there, yeah. like, you know, there's no, like, intros of sitar music and saris hung in the backgrounds yeah. of people's home randomly uh, or just, like, anything that is very stereotyped do you think that they'll pass on that because it's too nuanced and not um, yeah it depends on the iconic net- enough yeah it depends on the network like i think a commercial network there might be some difficulties there this is why like it's so like the people making those decisions that's why they need to be people with more diverse experience um or who are sensitive to those things and you can't always ensure that um even still um like it can seem like it's changing because you always have like these announcements of programs and all this kind of thing, but that's in like a very small bubble, Mm. you know, and that's often just like, like a bit of your like uh, government funded screen bodies, like screen Australia or like SBS or whatever. But um, yeah, who those gatekeepers are is, is a huge deal, but it's also like, I think the insidiousness of this is that it's also just like the fact that we are talking about a market. So it's capitalism. So like, what can, what can they sell? Like, so sometimes a lot of, I think a lot of gatekeepers, they might be aware of these issues. They might be like, oh, this is a bit cliched or this is, you know, we don't want to perpetuate these stereotypes. Mm. But then they'll be like, well, I can't sell a different version to my network or Mm. like people aren't going to tune in. So it's like both. It's also audiences are assumed to have certain tastes, which are sometimes true. Like Mm. a lot of mainstream Australia does not maybe want to listen to other stuff. So, yeah, it's going both ways, I think. Mm. But yeah. you're a TV writer, so what are yeah. you writing? What am I writing? Ooh. Well, um, the thing about being a TV writer is that you write on other people's stuff mm. a lot of the time. So I've written on a couple of comedy series. I'm writing on a, an, an audio comedy series at the moment oh. as well, which I just lump in with TV because it's all connected. Mm. Um, is it going to be a podcast? It's Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's a podcast. Yeah, sometime next year it should come out. So it's like... I don't know if I can say what the company is yet, um, but narrative sitcoms are like mm-hmm. a big thing in audio now. So it's it's one of wow. those things. Um, yeah, it's very interesting taking like TV writing and trying to put it just for the ear. Uh, so Wait, is there going to be a laugh track on a narrative sitcom? I don't think so. Not that I know. No, no, because no laugh tracks are mainly for um, visual gags, aren't they? Laugh tracks, yeah, I guess they're for visual guy. I, I don't even know if many sitcoms use laugh tracks anymore. It feels like a relic of a 90s yeah. thing or just a very American studio thing. Yeah. No, I don't know if there's – I think the laugh track – because it's supposed to be for one person at a time, so I think it's just you supply yeah. that. It might be a bit weird <laughs> if there's somebody laughing in your ear suddenly. Well, you can have your own laugh track going on in your mind, you know? And, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and I often do. No, but it's – um <laughs> My life – is a sitcom. Yeah. I have my I come prepared with my own love track. Yeah. Do you view your life as a sitcom? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of my initial work with the th- with a psychologist many years ago was her trying to convince me that TV and movies aren't real life. Aren't real life. As I was seeing my life as a rom-com, as a sitcom, as, you know. Mm, I find that so interesting. Or even yeah. now, like my favorite favorite um, sitcom of all time is Frasier. And really? Yeah. I didn't think you were going to say Frasier. Frasier is the best show. It's oh, like a fantastic wow. mix between really intellectual highbrow comedy and slapstick. And Is this why you're doing this podcast? So to get, get yourself a little bit of Frasier yeah. pain? Because we are literally in like a small kind of booth right now. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're con- listening. You're listening. Yeah. <laughs> no, my sister actually said to me, um, I have to modulate my voice for the podcast to make it like Roz. Yeah. So like deeper, deeper sexier. Right. 
really just soothing to the ears yeah and i'm trying so yeah. I, I don't know if any listeners can pick up but today my speaking voice is much lower right than it usually is i sound like a 12 year old otherwise um, um but i think that's um i find it really interesting that you said you you sort of viewed your life through all these, these genres and stuff because i think i i don't know if i Mm. No, I think that's a tendency a lot of like arty kids yeah. have. Like you impose those structures on reality, yeah, uh, as a way of coping with reality. Absolutely, and especially if you're like this, like like you said, like me, you grew up like in the Middle East as well, mm. like the South Asian kid in the Middle East, and then you move to another country. So like, I guess your home is art and storytelling, and that's because yeah. that can go from continent to continent, you know, Absolutely. wherever you go, and you just consume that media, and it's in your bones. And also you're often not very prepared for real life because, you know, culture and stuff. So when you get out there, you're like, hmm, is this a sitcom or is it a this? Yeah, I think that's very funny. I think anyone that has taken refuge as a child in their imaginations to escape reality is probably prone to this kind of idolization of... I think that's one of the harshest lessons to learn as an adult that you can't, like life isn't a narrative. So I know that things don't happen with, uh, you know, uh, arcs and arcs, yeah, and acts, and also and justice not, is not yeah, served. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. coincidences will not happen yeah, so yeah. randomly. Yeah. Um, no matter how many times you zoom out and see, you know, visualize yourself. Like if you're crying, like I do this often, even now. If I'm crying, <laughs> I have an out of body experience where I go, "Oh my god, this is such aesthetic tears!" Right. Like this would make a beautiful scene right now. What's my lighting right now? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> like, um, would I be looking in a mirror and crying? Would I be looking out of a window and crying? Like, well, how would they yeah, frame my face? How would they do it? Yeah, and what you know. And what happens right after this that, like, yeah. changes everything. Exactly. That's, so yeah. these tears are not significant, really, in the broad scheme of things. They're mm. just the moment right now. Yeah. That was a hard lesson to learn. I think it's a coping mechanism with yeah. reality. I don't think it's a healthy thing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My, I had a writing lecturer, VCA, who I think, yeah, was saying that apparently a lot of writers have that kind of yeah constant observation I suppose of yourself as material as well yeah um and it just yeah reminded me that as a my dreams have always been so when you dream at night do you dream in the third person or through Uh, yourself yeah through myself yeah I've since I was a little kid I've always seen myself in my dreams rather than yeah which sounds psychotic now that I say it but I thought this was normal (laughs) Um, it sounds really cool like how do you see yourself do you see yourself authentically as your body and you your yeah. mind is or do you see yourself as a white kid or do you see yourself as taller um, or different looking it used to be just me but then over the last maybe like five six years it's i've been other people but i've known that that was me yeah yeah that happens to me so often yeah. so even though i'm looking so it's a first person point of view in my dreams but i'm sometimes a man sometimes a woman sometimes somebody else entirely yeah it changes in the middle of the dream yeah it's kind of cool it is isn't it yeah um, do you ever have this where you wake up and the dream was so awesome that you can't wait to go back to bed the next night and hope to have it again? Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. No, I don't I don't think I trust my brain to have the same one again, but I do sometimes I'm just like, I wish I just kept sleeping. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes my dreams are so cool and so adventurous. Like, I build gorgeous worlds in my dream. Yeah. And like, then you I, wake up and you're like, I can't remember how to do that. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like, yeah, I'm always, I always get worried about like my mental health when my dreams are very close to life. Like mm. when they're just spelling out what your problem is. It's yeah. like, oh no. Yeah. It, my, my subconscious couldn't even go to the effort to like insert a symbol or like <laughs> create a metaphor. It's just like, this is what you're worried about. Yeah. Well, that's like, when yeah. the, the worry is so big. Yeah. That, that it just tells you. Yeah. yeah. Where were we? I don't know. We've gone down a beautiful yeah. rabbit hole. Um, it was about writing yeah i think should we attempt to come back or should we go no let's attempt to come back because you were making a good point it's your shows oh thank you yeah Yeah, we were talking about writing very stereotype Mm. okay well on this topic um i'll mention some something else that i really loved about 2019 for me which was discovering hassan minhaj Oh, right, the Patriot Act. Patriot Act, yeah. So before I'd never heard of him, and then I watched Patriot Act, and I I don't know how familiar you are with Hindi and Hindi movies, but there oh, was... Oh, I this... speak and I understand. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, this one episode, he was talking about Modi and Trump, and he goes, uh, he, "There's a picture of them shaking hands, and in the middle of his, you know, he's speaking English, and suddenly he bursts into Hindi song and goes, Thum pas aaye." Yeah. And I was like, "Whoa!" I was, good, good choice, I yes, yep. I was really amazed that uh, on a big mainstream network, yeah, in a co- so sort of um, political commentary has been the purview of white. Comedians, yeah, traditionally. So he's already an Indian guy in that space. Mm. He is doing all of his, you know, things in in English, but then he just out of nowhere drops this reference in another language to another culture that is yeah. also a part of him. Yeah, people laugh, some people don't get it, but he doesn't care. No, and he just keeps doing that. For or, or for example, I listened to him on a podcast called Armchair Expert. Yeah, and he just dropped words in Hindi. He used words like Desi. Yeah, and so then Dax Shepard, who's the um, host of the podcast goes what's Desi and oh, you know right. so like okay. he didn't even care and yeah. I just love the fact that Hassan Minaj could be so authentic to all aspects of himself yeah that he he's like you know a sneaker freak he loves basketball but he also likes Indian culture but yeah. he also likes political commentary and you know like all of this mm. so have you had that thing in your work where you embrace all aspects of yourself as a person not just an Indian not just an Australian yeah yeah uh I think that's mm, that's like a constant like state of uh getting there and becoming um but I think like a lot of artists from any kind of minority will but you know especially talking perhaps about race and culture will go through these phases if you're in a a white country or or a western country where the first sort of phase is that you need to not write about it at all or not show it at all and then the second is um you find ways and this is kind of what annoyed me I did the show a few years ago that was sort of took aim at some of this but also that you offer it up you offer up your culture as a thing to laugh at Mm. but you're still doing it from this very internalized like self-loathing um and then yeah and then I think like I think when you truly move past that, you do it on your own terms and you're mm. like, screw the burden of translation, like they can come to the table. Um, but there's still a fine line because you don't wanna you don't wanna be so extreme that this is just basic performance. Like you, you can't Educate. you can't alienate yeah. your audience completely. So you're aware that and that line isn't like and sometimes it's and you would know this is very irritating to even do that 
the cognitive load of, of having to balance all these things yeah. and get to that place and whereas a lot of other performers can just like get up there like you know and yeah. just do whatever and because they have the lightness of um never having to translate or never having to take into account um how to make people comfortable on so many levels at once before they're given permission to do what they want yeah i Which, feel that yeah. totally and i've gone through all that and mm-hmm. i think now um i'm at a phase in my work where it either it's something I can do a lot quicker so the burden doesn't feel that intense or I also just don't care mm. or you, I like also try to seek out communities of colour so that I can feel safe to do some other stuff that I couldn't do elsewhere. But I think it's a critical mass thing as well. Like I think America's so far ahead. Yeah. Um, it's like in terms of migration population as well, there's just so many people from the subcontinent but also they're – media industry has platformed those people a lot more yeah um and so they hassan can do that yeah yeah, and not worry about it Mm. like whereas yeah um or lily singh can have a show in canada which has got huge diasporas from all kinds of countries Mm. and she can get a following of all all races yeah yeah, there's that critical mass there's a critical mass and there's that reach whereas Mm. here i don't think that's there i mean like i can see beginnings of it but it just yeah it always feels like yeah i guess i don't know i guess maybe we're in the the first yeah we're we're at the beginning of it so we can't maybe in a few years it'll be like oh yeah it's fine yeah i think so we're getting there for example um in a lot of american comedy um, you just have to have like uh, you just have to say oh I was raised Catholic and mm. everyone will start laughing or you just have to say like you just have to say Jewish guilt mm. and everyone will know what you're talking about yeah and so those cultures are so well known and they've already yeah. got a lot of exposure yeah. through the arts and now as well Indian and other yeah um, cultures are getting exposure so for us we're quite new in that way yeah I think in Australia apart from the mainstream white Australian culture there's only a few other really well-known tropes or yeah cultural um, symbols of other cultures that easily get like you would probably have like you know um, Greek and Italian families or whatever they've sort of reached that kind of critical mass where yeah I think you know you're okay when you can do like a stereotype because like you know, we all want to make fun of like our aunties or whatever. When you can do that and you can feel comfortable doing that, and that like a white audience isn't going to take that as fuel to confirm their oh yeah their biases or um take it as fuel to reduce you yeah, but can take it in the spirit of yeah. This there's like complex things here and it's funny and and then you get to do it and we're not going to try and yeah. get in on it. So, I think the onus is yeah. on the person that's presenting it to present the universal aspects of that. Yeah. And not just get laughs off the stereotypes or you know yeah. quick laughs out of you know hey look I'm an Indian I'm Australian yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but present stories in which they highlight universal themes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I think a little a little um confusion is fine if they don't get it at first. That's Yeah. So the internet is a theme that occurs mm. quite frequently in your work. Mm. Yeah. You told me cuz we grew up enough. on it, right? Yeah. Almost. Um yeah. How how it does it come across in your work? What what about it interesting? How do you write about it or perform about yeah, it? Yeah, I think that's mm. 
it's just it's so ubiquitous it's i think it's like it's an it's an aesthetic as well like my humor is very informed by being extremely online um how does it come across I don't know. I think it's uh, it's in like speed. It's in variety. Like you know, it's kind of like in in a, a sort of freedom as well because you can be all these very shifting things online. And it's also like a hellscape. Like I feel like if you're not kind of talking about the internet in your work right now, you're kind of ignoring reality. Like yeah. it's completely shaped our world. If you especially if you make political work or whatever, um, yeah, it's like it's not a as you would know as well, it's not like this weird different space. It's just like a continent that we all belong to. Yeah. So, yeah. In that way, it's really quite unifying because yeah, uh, we might have different Instagram feeds and different Facebook feeds and the ads that are served to us might be different, but the experience of being on the internet mm. is so similar across the world. Yeah. I mean, there are variations. Like, for example, mm. if you're a woman, you have a slightly different experience than a man or, you know, whatever. Totally. There's so many different sections yeah. and some of them truly horrific. Yes. Um, <laughs> a lot of them. But I think even, yeah. But the, what it's done to the rhythms of our, not just our humor, but like our, our attention or the way we speak or the, or the, the self, like what, you know, like, what it's done to how we conceptualize the self I think is quite it sounds so wanky but I think it's like it's what what you're kind of talking about as well like what you can express and how you express it and how performative you are with expressing yeah. it and so um are you, did you do like English at uni or yeah um, I yeah. my major was English literary studies but yeah. I don't remember anything I yeah mean. well I think there's this um because I'm being a lit nerd but like I feel like there is you know like the novel is like or like most art, like if you study through most time periods, like it's, you can view it through the lens of like what it says about how we conceive the self in different time periods. Like, you know, um, like impressionism as an art movement has a whole thing with it or like modernism, like the self view was viewed as this, this uh, thing that was subject to different forces and then postmodernism, like there is no self, blah, blah, blah. And I think like the internet is like such a, a great place to study about like how we want to how we want to define consciousness almost yeah like um yeah I've been thinking a lot lately about like becoming a bot like what it would mean to be a bot and like and then achieve that level of consciousness like of um like automation as mm. well and like that impulse and um I don't know this is just like I'm giving you very scattered thoughts from like my no, uh, my you're... art diary <laughs> but I'm, yeah that's really nice I'm privileged to hear some yeah. of your scattered thoughts yeah there you go yeah I think I think and I think it's really fascinating I think like it's it's such a it's such a huge force in our lives and yeah. like and how we experience reality so well we are kind yeah. of like bots I mean we are bots. we've got automated <laughs> actions so yeah. Uh, I, for example, frequently just reach down into my pocket yeah. and I might not pick up my phone. I might remember that I'm not, I'm trying not to look at it so much, but I'll just finger it. Yeah. It's there. It's there. It's yeah. an unconscious action or you just don't even realize how many times a day you take out your phone, flip through all of the screens, just check in, you know, Messenger, Facebook, the, the trifecta, mm-hmm. Instagram, yeah. just to see maybe WhatsApp, if nothing is there anywhere else, you just check like maybe on WhatsApp, somebody has said something yeah, to me. Yeah. Nobody ever has. Yeah. So in a way, we're kind of like bots. We, yeah. We're programmed to like, you know, now anything that is worth anything is, has to be marked by a selfie or yeah, sure, a picture. Yeah, yeah. So the way we're looking at 
or even our ideas of self are so influenced by the internet so if we're looking really good yeah. on a particular day did we really look good if we didn't post it on the internet yeah like did we really look good if nobody took a picture of us anywhere yeah we feel like the effort was wasted whereas yeah it's like if a tree falls in the forest yeah. and and the tree doesn't scream about how like cute it was did did <laughs> was it even? did we even go out like yeah. <laughs> who are you know why didn't you call me anyway yeah. so, um your brain is a weird place with yeah, it's quite weird. one time i read this um <laughs> Sorry. post from you on facebook no don't apologize please don't apologize it's beautiful you you would you wrote a stage update about how you pitched a story to your dad about these cam girls that are half cockroach, oh half human. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, how does her brain work? Oh, that's so funny you bring that up because, like, clearly, like, I haven't moved. I think it was, like, about half a year ago. So that's fine. I didn't have to, I haven't had to um, progress that much. But I was thinking, I guess, like, that, that whole cockroach thing. That's like I think will probably be a show at some point. Oh wow! Um, but with that, I don't know if I should give away the ending. But with that, I guess mm. I'm also talking like I was thinking about like like I guess that post-humanism and like turning into different things and then turning into bots and like what it means to live in a body at like what feels like the end of the world. Like you know, like late capital, blah blah. The planet's dying and like how how do we transcend this form that we're in? Mm. Um, would we? you know mate with cockroaches would we become pure data like i just like oh that's compelling yeah yeah like so it's just like how to transform our literal like physical beings um i yeah. don't know i've been finding that really fascinating it's probably just a symptom of living in such an apocalyptic time that like we're trying to escape the constraints of mm. the sad human body like yeah it is yeah. actually an apocalyptic time i mean digressing a little bit i yeah. said to my friend the other day she said it feels like an apocalypse and I'm like, but my love, it is an apocalypse. Mm. You know, let us yeah. call a spade a spade. Yeah. This is the beginning of the end. Yeah. And we're lucky that we're not going to see the worst of it. Yeah, right. You know, we're going to be dead in the next 50, 60 years, all of us yeah. that are our age. Yeah. And it's kind of selfish as well to think that, thank God, we're not going to see the worst of it. True. That's, yeah, it's really, I don't know. Like, I'm just like the other day, like, because oh, some friends were like, I think, about you know people having kids and stuff and whether that's an ethical thing to mm. be doing now and I'm like I don't know how to begin to answer that I was like maybe in five years we'll know but then I was like but isn't that what we said five years ago yeah I'm not sure and then I'm also like it's very interesting because a lot of like obviously like indigenous cultures are like we've already we experienced apocalypse all the time like we've experienced this like it's in a way treating climate change disaster as this apocalypse is also a very white white centric, can be yeah capitalist yeah yeah so they're like we've already done that like you we had our apocalypse and we've been having it for like 200 years or more but then yeah and then obviously with our histories like you know like being um colonized by the british and stuff i don't think like we were talking about this a little bit earlier as well like how south asian migration is has become like a history of like forgetting as well like it's like yes yes we experienced that bad stuff but um we have to we have to move to these countries and just make like a stable life for our families like that's become their story more Mm. i think maybe south asian families have experienced all of these upheavals yeah that migration has brought on them yeah that maybe that's why as we were talking about before they don't really want to engage in the idea of 
globe, you know, global warming, climate change, because they're tired and they thought, <laughs> they you know, tired. you know, they thought yeah. we already did this massive thing. We just moved across I oceans, yeah. continents, hemispheres. Do you find a reluctance to talk about like even like British colonization in like with your family or, um, or it's just like this fact that gets yeah, thrown think, off, like n- nobody sits with the trauma of it or. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of, um, well, reluctance to sit and think about the trauma of um, what happened. I don't think people generally talk about that in families. Mm. They might, you know, there might be moments where somebody might swear bloody bloody colonizers or somebody yeah. might say, oh, you know, these were the atrocities that happened. But we don't really talk about how they affect us personally. Uh, my sister and I were having a discussion the other day about how we feel now that we've discovered that Gandhi was heckin' problematic. Ah, uh, that's and, true. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I find Gandhi so fascinating. Like, just this, like, cultural figure who was, like, so... Who was supposed to, like, love yeah. immensely. The father of father the nation. Father of the nation, yeah. Uh, Mahatma. So, you know, just the other day... <laughs> My, we were watching something. We we're watching Kon Banega Karorpati, which is the Indian version of Who Wants yeah. to Hindi Is version. Amitabh Bachchan still hosting? He it? is, oh yes. God, yeah. So, for those uninitiated, it is the Hindi version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And it's actually much better than the, than the English version. It's a, it's a much bigger cultural phenomenon in India. Mm. So, it was like Gandhi Jayanti, which is Gandhiji's birthday special. By the way, Gandhiji also means just Gandhi. Oh yeah. my God, I have to do so much translating today. It's fine. <laughs> they can look it up. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. my mom was sitting there and she like, she sometimes snorts in this kind of disapproving way. Anytime anybody brings up like Ram from Ramayan or yeah. like so problematic men. So my sister and I were talking about how does it make us feel that this person that we were, you know, in school and culturally conditioned to mm-hmm. adore was kind of creepy in many yeah, ways and yeah. so it was this you know in the current political climate uh, po- you know in, in right now we're all dealing with the aftermath of a bunch of accusations in many different countries as part of the sure. Me Too movement and yeah. we've realized that our idols have feet of clay so to realize that somebody like Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi uh, but yeah but like everyone's cancelled like throughout history yeah like just everyone's cancelled yeah. there's no one there's very few people who wouldn't be cancelled but the thing yeah. is had he like he has actually directly impacted you and me oh true yeah oh that is literally the, our lives literally yeah. our lives yeah. like would our parents have been able to come to australia if our grandparents hadn't been uh in a you know whatever yeah like in, in a world in which gandhi fought for independence independence yeah. like i it's that's kind of like so i we actually owe some far off debt yeah, to sure the movement that he was a of part course. of. Of course, yeah, and I mean, billions of people do, but yeah, I, I don't know what the point is. I was just, I just all I could think about was, but now, like with the rise of Hindu nationalism in India, like Gandhi is viewed as this bad figure for them. Yeah, because he was quite into secular thought, and so. I don't even know what's happening in India. Yeah, and yeah I it's just, a lot. <laughs> it's, it's crap. Yeah, it's very and interesting. I am very concerned about the rise of right-wing yeah, nationalists yeah. across the world. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, everyone from ScoMo to Modi to Trump. Yeah. Um, is And in, um, in Brazil, there's Bolsonaro. Yeah. There's a whole lot of right-wing people coming up across the world. Mm. 
um, I think even the um, UK government is a right-wing government currently. I know. Yeah. Who's the new prime minister? In the UK? Know. Yeah. Uh, isn't it? It's Bar- I mean, Boris Johnson. Boris. The current that's prime right. minister. Yeah. And <laughs> in the same mold as yeah. um, the Trumps and the Scormers. Yeah. I, I think it's very funny. I was just like... Because I was just remembering this comedy bit I do about Gandhi, um, this kind of like weird sketch, and I was just like thinking about that, and I'm like, it just really brought home. I'm like, oh, the comedy has, has is it doesn't uh, isn't gonna fight anything in the world. Like you're just mentioning all those horrifying leaders, and I'm like, yeah, just the distance between that. Sometimes I think, like as an artist, you can be like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this bit where I talk to like a spectral Gandhi figure who um, tells me to stop obsessing about white dick if I want to <laughs> decolonize myself? Uh, and I was like, who is this helping? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is helping people. Yeah, it's like, making it people. Is, yeah, it is. Okay, like, can you stop obsessing about white dick? I don't know. Like, I was raised on American TV. Yeah. And now I grew up like my teens and 20s and all my life after my yeah. teens has been in Australia. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the dominant hotness around us is white hotness. Oh, no. Plus no. <laughs> no, not for you. No, you I think you can you can stop feeling that way to okay. white people. It is possible. Okay. All you need to do oh, is like talk to Gandhi. He's like, <laughs> "Are you there Gandhi? It's me, Amrutha." Um yeah, I don't I think it's possible. That's really interesting. I mean, going back to the internet as well, I feel like, you know, like Tumblr and stuff like happened in um, like my early 20s. And then is, did you, were you ever on Tumblr or just on like on those kind of Oh, I know, like I know I wasn't on Tumblr, but I know that, you know, pictures are shared and people reblog it. Yeah. I just feel like it's quite, you know, people see like the internet's this really angry place and like a lot of like, white men especially are very threatened on it like um and now we have like you know scott morrison whatever talking about like inner city progressives um but and it gets this gets this kind of rap as like this incredibly angry place but i also think it's like it's such a historical emancipatory space like i remember being on like those platforms quite young like uh, and um they totally they had such a huge part to play in like me undoing even internalized like speaking of like what you find from something as basic as what you find attractive just by seeing images of like women of color or like other people of color um and um being surrounded by communities of color that couldn't find themselves like in your high schools or you yeah. know but then you found them on the internet and then you could all together like read activist thought or read um yeah read about like experiences that were like yours or just like literally look at people who looked like you and see them viewed as um whole not even just attractive but just like whole and so I feel like for like people nowadays it's very easy to be like oh it's this like cesspit of yelling and cancellation but it had such a I think it's such a huge shift to do in a lot of people like understanding their identities in a much mm, much safer way and like in a way that didn't kowtow to white supremacy yeah so i think the internet is really beautiful for that in my previous episode i was talking to brie turner who also studies consciousness raising and identity creation on the internet for women and non-binary people yeah yeah Uh, and you can't be aware of what you are until you see it until you see it yeah represented and for all the ills and evils of 
you know, the internet, like Facebook has been a lot in the news recently as uh, I think Sasha Baron Cohen called it a propaganda machine and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But for all of that, like we really wouldn't be the feminists or the people of color we are today yeah. had it not been for the had internet. Had it not been for, yeah, the ability to connect to those people who could bring that information to us because it wasn't, I remember like, because I came here late in high school and I just remember like there was like, for instance, there was 30 pages on like one event, like in World War One, like, but then there was like a paragraph or half a page on um, like the Pinjara Massacre in WA and then maybe like a page on the Stolen Generations in our history book. Uh, but then like, you know, yeah, about 50 pages on what uniforms yeah. like people wore. So it's just like that's a very blatant example, but it's just representative of like these in- institutions that seem transparent and innocent, especially if you're growing up. Yeah. As the font of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, the internet's been great for knowledge disruption, mm. but now we're seeing it turn into like, um, you know, incel central and like it's also equally helped other minorities like fascists. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, I wanted to talk about late capitalism. Cool. I mean, I guess we kind of have been, but yeah. Is that what you conceptualize as late capitalism? Um, yeah, I mean, like it's a very fashionable term, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I'm no like I can't pretend to um, be a, uh, a scholar, uh, like an economist. Um, but yeah, I think we're like living at this time when like the excesses of capitalism that was that was always horrific. Um, I just we're more aware of them and we can see them much more on a global scale and and it seems to be getting to an untenable point purely because it's pushed the environment to such a point as well it feels like a moment where you need to decide how to take action in the world and like it's not enough to um just be like oh i i vote a certain way or i read the think pieces and i know what to think and um yeah, like what does activism mean in the face of all this? Uh, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out like yeah. what what is useful and what is I think what is ethical uh, for me. And you raise such a fantastic point. What does activism mean? And that comes back to what uh, what is our personal uh, the the concept of self. Mm-hmm. The concept of self as so late capitalism. The way I have understood it through my research over the last two days after you mm. sent me an email saying late capitalism I'm like what the hell is this it's coming up everywhere yeah i read a bunch of articles watched a bunch of youtube videos on it so <laughs> i feel a little prepared now. oh great you probably know more than me i was yeah go on <laughs> no but this idea that all of us are a brand oh totally our personal brand on facebook and on instagram um whether you're posting pictures of yourself or whether you're posting a status update about your political rants or your books that you read mm. whatever we're all trying to create a personal brand but in order to be a part of any kind of revolution for the climate and the environment we have to Un- you can't be a brand you can't be a mm. brand you can't um, sustain the consumption required to be a brand you kind of have to like be plain yeah. and merge into the mass that's really interesting because on a purely material level being a brand does take up resources yeah yeah like not even just talking psychologically but literally you'd consume things to create that image absolutely really interesting. yeah with margot tanhodko last yeah. year on uh, sorry not last year last season yeah we talked about this idea like capitalism we we're talking about yeah. how shopping capitalism materialism mm. is such an important part of who we are now because in order to be somebody we have to get the look 
Mm. We have to get the the camera phone even. Yeah. Or we have to um, have our senses bombarded by ads in order to use the free service that allows us to promote our brand. Yeah. If you're not promoting yourself, who are you really? Kind of. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Again, this isn't going to sound so esoteric, but this whole conversation is really veered off into abstraction, so it's fine, I think. I think um, so. I'm, there's no theme Yeah, to I was this. just like, oh, no. yeah, I was going to talk about writing, but let's just talk about all the problems of the world and sound really <laughs> foolish while doing so. Um, no, I, I think... I've always I find really interesting like how you can call it capitalism, but I think it's also a very human tendency, like this reduction of the self to something we can transfer to other people, like a brand. Um, and and I think like one of the things that's one of the the way our souls are soul is like I'm in quote marks soul, like whatever it stands for. The self is like it's calcified by living in this sort of environment. Like you, the last thing or maybe the first thing we package is ourselves. And then I think we lose, I don't know, the ability to sustain truly complex and rich relationships with people and communities. Um, I think that's like a huge crisis facing us, like the the lack of wanting to disappear into a mass. Yeah. Um, it is. Like individualism it. is a very capitalistic yes. thing. And like this very, bo- the self with a lot of borders and like property rights and like, um, even yeah. the things that if you're looking for, for example, in a romantic relationship, you're looking for a partner, yeah. you need to find somebody that supports your brand and boosts your personal, <laughs> you know, like they can fit in your life. Yeah. And it's less about going with tradition and going with what everyone else is doing and more sure. about finding like a right fit. A right fit. Yeah. And like how we conceptualize ourselves as like deserving certain things. Yeah. And, um, I think it's yeah, it's very interesting because I was, I guess, raised in a Hindu framework. Um, I don't, I don't, not particularly religious, but I think a lot of that philosophy has probably seeped into my brain in a very deep way. But I think I've always been obsessed, and this kind of goes back to our bot conversation <laughs> slightly about like, like what does it mean to transcend the self, um, and like what is egolessness, and like, um, in our cultures have got a lot of issues and very traumatic in a lot of ways. But I think one of the things that it, they kind of get right or or have you know, um, is is this kind of understanding the self as a community of relationships rather than a thing that exists on its own. You're only like your relation to other people and to the world and you're constantly becoming. You're not like this fixed thing and it's when we start to view ourselves the ego of the fixed thing that you start to enact violence on other people because you, you do anything to maintain mm. that fixture. Um, so I think that's again where Hindu kind of thought pattern right. as well, like to to try and disseminate that. Mm. But then obviously the country is a terrible mess, so it doesn't mean anybody there has absorbed the philosophy either. No. But I think like yeah, I don't know if that's something you've got in your background as well. Like uh, I wasn't raised in a very religious way. I mean, no. my family, uh, my sister and I are now finally come around to calling ourselves atheists because it just sounds yeah. so like harsh and final when you say yeah. atheist but yeah you know we're calling ourselves vegans we might as well call ourselves atheists so yeah 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 it's um, i don't think it's about god it's more like a philosophy of like um yeah just a way of like looking at at life or the self as um like it like that it's like the aim of life i guess in a lot of philosophy to put it in hindu philosophy is to disappear yeah disappear the self like 
yeah. you know, become one with the force. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, but yeah. I get what you're saying because yeah. my own um, individual concept of self has evolved from when you're a kid and you're a part of a family and your consciousness is largely what your parents are doing, saying around you. Your your worries are also largely your parents' worries that you take on. Mm. Uh, and then growing up, going to therapy, mm. I had to first find my um, individual identity as myself without my family. And then now it's kind of evolved to... Uh, it's actually a relief to not be um, unique. It is a relief to not yeah. be special in any way. That's Yeah, that's but, really interesting. Because yeah. not only does it mean that you're not special, it, I mean, it, it's, it's not only that this is a negative thing but also that it means that your troubles are not unique yeah that people around you suffer right. as you do i know because um, it's actually quite egotistic to think that nobody has it as bad as you yeah right like yeah i mean if, yeah. if nobody could have all of your qualities and all of your cool stuff then then nobody could have your problems, problems either, either. Yeah. and that sucks so therefore yeah. if people around you are people are more similar than you think yeah and you're less unique that's actually a very comforting thing for me now yeah I think it's, yeah, but it's also, it's a struggle because like, you know, vaguely trying to bring this conversation back to the arts. I think <laughs> that's right. what we were talking Let's about. I don't know. Back. Yeah, but, originally I wanted to yeah. talk about, you know, people of colour, POC yeah. and arts. Well, you know, I, I think I can find a link between these okay. two things right. somehow. Because um, you, you're talking about like, yeah, you're not, not wanting to hold yourself out as unique in that way. But I think um, if you're a POC in the arts industry now as well, but or, or anyone, because um, it is an industry, you're very much encouraged to package yourself as like this new exciting voice who's the answer to everything yeah. and like this POC is the POC and like also like whiteness will often be like we got one we got one funny brown person we got one like weird Asian and then that's we don't need any more and it creates this like horrible um I think this very capitalist kind of way of viewing art but also like p- packaging yourself and your brand as an artist and all this kind of thing that is not actually used like doesn't create solidarity doesn't I don't think creates uh I don't know what great art is but like I don't think creates like good art communities um and so I think like as people of color like for me I feel I'm it could be very easy to become like that and but I think I'm also trying to like I'm like who am to me it's important to be a okay person as well as a good artist and sometimes it can feel like a trade-off yeah 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 so you don't want to capitalize on your difference in order to get the gigs you kind of have to but you want to just be overall uh an artist who is true to all herself yeah all that and so even if you don't get the job because you're a person of color but you get it because you're a talented writer sorry i'm not saying that that's that's how it should be i'm saying even if you did that yeah um say there were like five black people in that group so that it was not a a quota or a diversity thing but you would still bring all of yourself to it yeah yeah yeah. no and I do but I think it's just like yeah being aware of not being consumed that way like I don't I don't I think like quotas are great like you need to do something to fix it and the work is going to be richer and better like yeah you can just tell like sometimes like I you know I was in a I think yeah like when I've been in a room with like a lot of people of color or just like even having couple in the space um the dialogue is richer the ideas are more complex because in many ways like 
actually this very small Anglo art creation is is just such a small part of the world's history and the yeah. world's culture and if we want to be talking about modernity and like this very global world we live in then all these other identities are they are the world and yeah. like it's only this kind of like historical almost like gaslighting that makes you think that you're not yeah um yeah so those rooms are always more interesting i mean they would be for example even the simple act of the fact that most people in those rooms are probably bilingual or multilingual yeah people are already thinking in their minds thoughts across different languages yeah so obviously connections ideas are going to be complex yeah like the creativity is different yeah so um the future of uh the australian entertainment tv landscape right yeah so do you th- oh. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Do, like we've got a Benjamin Law for example. Sure. Do you think that there's room for like a lot more Asians, a lot more Indians, a lot more I mean, I hope so. I mean, we just talked about like how the industry doesn't want like yeah. or like wants you to differentiate yourself like, you know, you got to yeah. be like deeply different Asians whereas like two white women with brown hair can both be quirky and both yeah. be lauded and like I'm like, but they're as different as, you know, mm. it doesn't like seeing you as like yeah. um quite reductive isn't it like you're yeah. asian you're asian yeah. so yeah i think it does the industry of space i feel like it, it'll have space because we are if we continue to push that it needs that yeah. um and i think also like if we support each other like i yeah. think the worst thing that could happen now would be like for and, and it does happen but for, like for artists of color or across class and race to like kind of abandon each other in the quest for something yeah um i guess i'm I'm very interested in like ethical ways of working and stuff so that's kind of on my mind a lot lately but yeah is there room for it um i guess there has to be there has to be i hope there is uh it's yeah it's very but i don't know i'm i'm like finding my like i you know i don't have any special knowledge so i'm just finding my feet in it as well and trying to well i think that the internet provides room for everything it's like an ever-expanding universe where yeah but who does it reach as well is very hard well it will reach the the desired audience like i'm sure that your podcast series is going to be a great success and the traditional (laughs) media are going to catch up to what's happening on the internet sure yeah maybe um yeah but I think there has to be like you have to have this is just a general artist thing though like I think every artist regardless of their culture or background is just like you need to so you can't have to be creating for some other reason yeah than uh like pop populism or like yeah because there's nothing guaranteed you know? yeah I mean yeah. exactly the the drive to create the drive to tell stories is yeah. there and it, it just can't rely on your unique selling point that you're yeah a certain ethnicity sure uh, yeah yeah but um, it's been so fascinating to talk to you, and I'm really sad that I don't have more time oh, on yeah. this episode with oh my you. God. <laughs> um, I'm just like that was just like that turned into like this kind of stoner philosophy. Like it what did, happened? Didn't it? And neither I, of us is stoner. I'm not. A, I'm not a stoner. So oh well, neither am I. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we are just eating hummus and <laughs> yeah. cookies and, and what did carrots. you put in this hummus? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just loved how random our conversation was today yeah. and I wouldn't change it. Like, I'm just not even going to edit it. I'm just going to put it all up oh my God. as it is. <laughs> uh, people will get what they will out of it. And yeah. I really want to have you back on yeah, the podcast to talk about more stuff. Yeah. 
Thank you for your weird brain. Thank you for uh, sharing Thank you it. for asking me to chat. It was so nice. Um, I wish you all the best. Do you have anything, like any gigs coming up around Melbourne that you want to plug? Well, it's kind of like December now. <laughs> so oh, shit, I'm going no, don't, home. Don't plug now because <laughs> uh, this episode's going to come out later in, oh, right. in February. In so. Feb. Sure. Well, I will have a couple. I'll have a comedy festival show mm-hmm. um, at the Malt House. Um, you, you can just follow my artist page on Facebook. Which um, is Vidya... Rajan, like if you if you look that up, um, you got Sai in your name, right? Yeah, but I'm gonna take it out. Like I don't, I mean, it's part of my name, but I was like, oh, I just um, I put it in there because I wanted my personal profile page to be different from my artist page. Yeah, but now I'm like, whatever. There is no boundaries. Um, I have a website. I don't know. I. I'll give you some links or something. Okay, but I'll yeah. put up the links. Go so to- please check out Vidya Rajan's Comedy Festival show in March 2020. Uh, thank you, Vidya. That's that's fine. Did you want to do your Fraser outro? What does what does Fraser um, say? Until next time. Yeah, I'm listening. No, I love I've been Fraser Crane. Is that what he says? This is so embarrassing. I should know because yeah. I watch hours of Fraser literally. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. All I remember is like. Elvis has left the building. Oh, the song you mean. No, that's all I remember yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everybody. Oh, Good night, night Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> I love you. I yeah, love you, Seattle. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Sonia Pfeiffer, award-winning journalist and criminal defense attorney. I'm David Rudolph. I represented Michael Peterson in the murder trial that became the Netflix documentary, The Staircase. Abuse of Power is an original podcast that examines the impact of wrongful convictions. We will reveal the frightening ways in which innocent people can find themselves wrongfully convicted, imprisoned, and even executed. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A cast recommends. recommends.